Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to Flop Culture, a podcast where we talk about flops of all shapes and sizes and decide who has been bopping or flopping that week in celebrity news. My name is Fanula Jones and let me tell you, when I say I have been dying to do this episode as a pop music fan, you have no idea. So let's get straight into it. Charlie Puth, for better or worse, has been on the go since 2011, with his career taking on a new lease of life during the pandemic, bringing him even more success. However, there's a record bang smack in the middle of his career that quite frankly haunts my dreams. If I'm able to corner a pop fan in the club, I know I'll end up telling them about this album, Voice Notes, Puth's sophomore album, in which there were no signs of something. The tunes were sharper than ever, and re-legitimised Charlie in a way he hadn't been before. And while it did relatively okay commercially and critically, it never seems to be in the conversation when it comes to great modern pop records. Joining me to talk about it more is host of Sissy That Pod, Kean Sullivan. Kean, you are so welcome to Flop Culture. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about our subject this, this evening. Especially as I referenced it a lot on season one of Flop Culture because it's an album that I hold very dearly to my heart as a pop music fan, but I just feel never it never gets the credit it deserves. So when I came to you and I was like, will you come on the podcast? And you said you want to do this. I was like, this is music to my ears because I just want an excuse to talk about this album. What did you pick? I chose the album Voice Notes by Charlie Puth. Um, and the reason why, because I was toying with lots of other things to choose. There was other, like, oh, first of all, love music. I love discussing albums 
rather than just sort of songs. Careers are fun as well, but I just, I love anything that's just, here is a body of work compared to other bodies of work, whether it's a movie, whether it's an album, whatever. And uh, so I wanted to choose an album. And there was lots of other albums that I think could have been good episodes. Uh, Bionic by Christina Aguilera, some Jesse Ware stuff. But I've heard other people make a sort of similar case for, this is an underrated album, people are sleeping on this. And I don't hear enough people banging the voice notes drum. So Finola, I'm here to bang. Let's please let's bang. I'm so excited. This is Charlie Puth's second album. Uh, I suppose we got to know him initially from collabing with Wiz Khalifa. The mm-hmm. I was about to say awful dirge, which is quite harsh, but I mean, I think it was just where's the lie? Where's the lie? The overexposed "See You Again," which began as his own kind of piano ballad, and Wiz Khalifa jumped on it, and its connection with the Fast and the Furious franchise and the late Paul Walker's death. It just became this mega insane hit for him obviously and the reason why way. we couldn't say it was awful dirge at the time was because it was associated with like paul walker's swan song and you know r.i.p paul walker but it was dirge we're not here to talk ill of the dead but we are here to talk ill of, Ill of shit music and that is and it's not it was bad before his Khalifa jumped on it got worse when he was there rapping about how do we not I don't even know the lyrics it's that bad but it was just everywhere and I think that was most people's initial introduction to them he he started out on social media and youtube doing the covers like a lot of them ellen degeneres actually discovered him in inverse commas and was the first to sign him to her now defunct 1111 i think it was called label uh, it was her real dream to discover that you know next justin bieber so she had him she had grace and chance another one of my fave flops in inverted commas um he had this monster global hit he had a first album nine track mind collaborating with the likes of Megan Trainer, Selena Gomez. But on that album, he didn't seem to be able to shake the, you know, I'm a, t- I'm a teeny boy vibe and I, I love women and I love Marvin Gaye and all these influences and I'm playing the piano, blah, blah, blah. It was all a bit... How would you describe the earlier stuff that predated voice notes, I suppose, to illustrate how much of a change voice notes was? Yeah, like we, we've been going in on See You Again, but for me, the real war crime is Let's Marvin Gaye and Get It On. Like a truly awful song, horrendous. I mean, we there's lots of reasons why black people need reparations. Chuck that on top of the list because... <laughs> add, it, <laughs> add it to the pile, add it to the pile, please. The appropriation of poor Marvin Gaye after Robin Thicke, you know, robbed his song and now Charlie Puth and Megan Trainer are like just horrendous, horrendous song and like insanely popular. I didn't, I, I must have blanked this from my memory, but it got to number one here and in the UK, that Marvin Gaye song, which is a shock because it's awful. And I... I was so anti-Charlie Puth. I was like, here's this annoying, cringy man who's like trying to carve out his lane by shaving a piece of his eyebrow. His music is, is so like written by robots like let's you know you could totally see somebody in a pub saying oh let's Marvin Gaye and get it on and someone being like that's a great song let's write that and like it's just has no personality has no character has no distinct point of view 
Throughout Nine Track Mind, though, which I remember someone reviewing saying Nine Track Mind is actually 12 tracks long. So, where did that title <laughs> come from? Oh my God, he can't count. <laughs> I, but I do think there, there were songs on it like We Don't Talk Anymore with Cena Gomez, which I actually quite like. It's like a, a good purring, song. A good song. Yeah. We're going to like purring, whispering sort of duet, which I think kind of worked. So, I think you could see at that phase that there were moments of of fun like pop prowess but it was it was I think it was how it was packaged was him trying to be this Justin Timberlake-esque figure and that's not really who he is no it's not and it was his whole brand became cringe was that word you mentioned he was so cringe that one call away song which is another mm. song on nine track mind is another absolute abomination just including the lyrics superman got nothing on me first of all superman isn't real charlie so back down to earth it was just and i was the exact same i never felt like he was an artist that i would you know that i would align with in that way in terms of his sound in terms of his songwriting the selena gomez track was good and that's where i actually think he sits best in Mm. that position of like i'm with a girl and we're kind of fighting and we're not talking and i'm this forlorn guy and that production built around that song worked so well. And then everything else was just like very cliche, very not to be patronizing or mean, but like YouTuber music. He hadn't moved into that lane at all, which is why then when I came across voice notes only because I listened to a podcast in which they were basically like, what the hell happened? Charlie Puth used to be like really embarrassing, but now he's after producing this album that is quite good actually I remember specifically where I was I was on I was on a lad's holiday where I was not a lad clearly and um, we were in Spain and I was at the pool listening to this podcast and podcast, here right? yes it was a podcast mm-hmm. I've I'll link it again in the show notes but it's linked to a couple of episodes back on season one as well and they're talking about boy which is a song on voice notes the second album and it's just it is it's pop perfection it's just I, yeah. it's incredible to me to think that the man who did see you again also did the majority of the tracks on this album it's just what were your initial thoughts of voice notes when you did you hear it at the time uh, and I suppose how do they compare to your thoughts on it now well, well like that I actually got turned on to it by the podcast episode I also remember where I was I was driving home from a construction site and work uh, listening to podcasts so <laughs> not, not, similar lads holiday to a certain degree <laughs> Um, <laughs> the um i had heard of i had heard attention i had heard how long i liked them they were sort of in my mind as a guilty pleasure like this song by that cringy eyebrow guy has a good song that i kind of like and like it's bad that sometimes we feel the need for critics to validate our opinion but that's 100 how I, I felt like and I feel like in that episode, they're also sort of being like, guys, you know, the emperor has no clothes on. This album is really, really good. It's not what you expected. So I delved into it. And I guess when I, by the time I listened to it, I was under the impression that these New York Times pop critics think it's one of the best albums of the year. I was expecting it to be good. And yet I still wasn't disappointed. Now, I wouldn't say it's a perfect album. I think there is... No four three songs i would never listen to again and i my life would be better for it but the other eight i can listen to ad infinitum it's just like he really came in at the right time i suppose because when you talk about 
attention. Again, I I kind of liked that as well, and I liked how long, but they didn't get me in the way that some of the hooks on this album did. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I suppose the issue with the tension was as well that that was kind of overexposed nearly because that became such a monster hit for him because you're thinking like that, that baseline, oh my God, it haunts me. But it was just, I think we were really at a position where we were looking for kind of, you know, Bieber had gone through that renaissance, that like mm-hmm. electro pop, this very specific kind of mirroring the 80s, a little bit of the 90s, like R&B-esque. And he kind of hits every beat on this. I agree as well. I don't think it's a perfect album. I think it is a great run of tracks that make me want to spend an extortionate amount of money to own this album on vinyl. But I am similar to you. <laughs> can you get it in vinyl? I have never actually looked to see if I can get it in vinyl. I went but... looking before and I don't think there's prints of it right now, but there was. Okay. Um, at some point, I think it's out of stock, but um, if he ever put it out again, I would spend, I don't even want to think about the money that I would spend on it. I'm <laughs> looking too. at the, I'm looking at the track list here. We mentioned attention. The way I am opens the album. Very mm-hmm. guitar driven, very good. LA Girls, what are your thoughts on and, LA Girls? And, and let's just uh, let's just focus in on the guitar element because I think that's a whole thing about Charlie Puth that you, you know is worth discussing. Is he he is primarily a pianist? He's studied a classic. He's a classically trained pianist, but he also went back to Berkeley School of Music to train in music production. So any guitar you hear in this album is actually played by the piano. He'd sample guitar hooks and play them on the piano. He actually can't even play the guitar at all, and I think that's just something that makes the album kind of interesting when you hear it pieced together in terms of like that bass line and the tension that dum, 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 is actually quite difficult to play the guitar because it's so quickly jumping between the chords because he can play it quickly on the piano. And I like that, that opening on the way I am as well. Really, really quick bursts of P of guitar notes that he can play really quickly on the piano, which gives him this like unique sound LA girls. I think that's the closest thing he gets to kind of like the Backstreet Boys, like the way he, his vocal delivery on that is almost like Britney Spears. And he like, does he sort of like sing it to me one more time? Kind of like these sort of like ad libs, like a boy band might do. I think it's, I find sometimes his lyrical content, I think in LA Girls, it's a classic example of this is when it's a bit humble braggy. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) oh, these all these women that get with me end up breaking my head. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's like, oh, poor you. Poor <laughs> you. I kind of love the, when he leans into that as his brand, though. Like, it's that hmm. rebrand has worked. I suppose we're going to talk about Charlie a little bit later on, his third album, the album yeah. that followed this. I kind of think that's where he leaned into it a bit too much, where I was just like, we don't know anything about you on this, I was kind of satisfied because it was such a departure from yes. the whiny stuff we'd experience before. But I LA Girls isn't my fave. I agree with you there on that. I think I think it's because on this album he sounds cool. He, yes. he went from cringe to cool. He went yeah. from like, you know, I think I think he like shedded the need to have teenage girls fancy him, or else his record label shedded the need for teenage girls to fancy him. And he was just like, I'm just operating as a relatively good looking guy who makes music. Yeah. And I feel that's just cooler. How Long? That was another... uh, That was the second single, I think. And that, Hmm. and you know, like it's hard to (laughs) find something else other than another banger. Like we're talking a string of songs that are like eight plus out of 10. I would say even LA Girls, I don't necessarily like maybe seven and a half, but it's still 
it's still very good. How long? You know, a similar subject matter. This time she's having an affair on him. But like what he captures so well in his music is like these multiple hooks that kind of echo each other. So it's like he'll do the slow pre-chorus. How long has this been going on? And then it's bum, bum, ba dum bum, 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 ba dum bum, bum. Like those are really catchy hooks. One hook after another that you're like, oh my God, this is great. Oh my God, this is even better. And you just like, before you know this, the song is over and you want to press play again. He worked with a couple of different people on this record as well. Done For Me is the next track in terms of the track list. And that's a collaboration with Kehlani, uh, Boys to Men, James Taylor. There's a a Hall and Oates interpolation on mm-hmm. Slow It Down. Do you think those were, those collaborations were conscious decisions on his part? Because when I look at that, I'm like, this is you trying to be like, kind of, I suppose in some ways, The Boys to Men is like, I know he wanted this album to be like a, an homage to like R&B and stuff. I don't get that as much as I get just pure pop. But mm-hmm. that collaboration then makes sense to me. And I suppose Kehlani as well, like Queen of R&B. But again, I see that as someone kind of, I suppose going less of a less of a Selena path, less of a Megan path, you know, that kind of straight, yeah. white, let's be honest, pop, safe pop, I suppose. Yeah, so although we're here to bat for this album, he has said he's only really 60% happy with it and he kind of felt he was too pushed by his record label to sort of hit certain metrics rather than focus on the art. With the, we'll put Kalani to the side for one moment, but the James Taylor and the Boys of Men, Boys to Men songs are two of my least favorite on it. I feel they, I feel they were added to the track to the album by a group of men in suits who are like nostalgia's really hitting right now. Let's have Boys to Men back on a track. I've got a singer Charlie Puth. He plays around with different styles and nostalgias. He's kind of going through a bit of an R and B sort of influence with his music. Let's put him together with Boys to Men see what they come up with. Whereas I think anybody who like that song was included on the album because it had boys to men on it, not because of its own merits. The Kalani track, I think you touched on earlier with the Selena Gomez, which is that's kind of where he's at his best. Like the only time we ever hear any sort of criticism about him or the character he plays is from Kalani on the album being like, you know, I never cheated. I was putting up with your shit just as much as you were putting up with mine, you know, And that's like, he works really well in that duet sort of, you know, tangoing lovers, like they're, they hate each other, then they fuck each other. Like that sort of like dynamic works really well. And that's kind of the magic behind that track with Kalani. It's very musical theatre, isn't it? It's very like call, but and like he says everything and then she's like, I never cheated. And then it's the two of them doing it. You know what I mean? That's what I was thinking when I was listening to it on my drive back again. But I still love it. I love her. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more about the boys to men track and the james taylor track which i feel like one of the tracks on this is dedicated to the families of victims of a school shooting which makes me feel bad but it's still a terrible song anyway i I think it's (laughs) i think it's a james taylor track but anyway sandwiched between those then we have boy which i made reference to and Mm -hmm. slow it down slow down has the whole notes interpolation just sounds great even beyond like the lyrical thing because it's again it's like his head's wrecked from this girl, but he just can't stop shagging her. He's obsessed with shagging her. She's taking off her clothes and he's just trying to get away from her, but she's taking off her clothes again. Why won't she stop taking off her clothes? And then boy is like, he's trying to get with this older woman and she's like, 
I'm not I'm not shagging you because you were born in the 90s. The 90s. You won't wake up beside <laughs> me because I'm born in the 90s. Shouldn't work, but oh my God, Kian, it tickles every every it, like if I was to create a pop song in a factory, like distill the purest mm-hmm. iteration of pop, this is what I would make. And anytime I'm like, this is the song I want people to listen to on the album, like boy, and going in even to slow down, but I, I think boy trumps it for me. How do you feel about them? Yeah, I totally agree. And what kind of bowled me over when I first listened to this album is like, we get to the first few tracks. Attention It was a single. How Long Was a Single. Done For Me With Kalani was a single. I think the way I am was like, maybe like a promotional single or something. So I was like, these are all good, you know, solid tracks. I've already heard them on the radio. And then you get to kind of the back half and you have Slow It Down A Boy. And one of my favorites, somebody told me, and Empty Cups. And you're like, you were hiding these? You were, mm. you were not planning to release these. You were just going to leave these gather dust for the Puthinators. These are top tier songs. People would sell their mother for one of these songs to be their debut single. It's so strong. And the fact that you're happy to just leave it in the back of your album and happy no one would listen to it is a crying shame. Boy, that <laughs> line in the 90s is brilliant. Uh I think it's probably when he's at his best at the singing high, because that's another sort of gimmick of his is the really pitched up high falsetto. Um, and then slow it down, I think is one of my favorites as well. A bit of humble braggy, you know, the more that I try to convince you it won't work, the quicker you take off your clothes. I'm like, all right, Charlie. Um, but he just wins that you over. That doesn't happen by. either. If a man's like, <laughs> I don't want to be with you, Fanula, I'm not like, woo! I can't see for everyone and I wouldn't dare try you but he just I I love those narrative when he's painting a very specific picture even if it is a bit like humble braggy that's when I love I suppose that's why I love boy because I just Mm. have this very specific like winky image of him you know I was about to say great expectations what's that movie The Graduate that's what I have Mm. he's trying to go after the old Roman and they're like oh they're just oh it's all all so grand it's all a bit of fun you know I think and that's like, very strongest. It, it builds and builds the, you know. Why you always treat me like a boy? And then it's like, it's higher and higher. And you're just like, this can, like, you know, I just feel like I'm a kid having so much sugar and I'm just so hyper from it. It just really, really hits the the sweet spot. Pardon the pun. I love trying to do that run in the car and I absolutely can't do it. Yeah. I can do the first two, but I can't do the. That's when it all starts to go horribly wrong for me and my. And, uh, my and I think this game. is this is the perfect you know get the Spotify playlist get rid of the, the dull tracks with Boys to Men and uh, James Taylor. This is a perfect road trip album. If you all if like this was this is why this should not be a flop. If this was a, like a really well known album as it should be, you could stick it on in the car. You could all sing along, a la bohemian rhapsody in wayne's world you'll have fun trying to hit those high notes like you would with any celine dion song it just it has the sing-along ability to it it's just so fun and infectious and it would work so well in like a road trip setting i touched on it a little bit earlier but i'd be curious to get your take on the wider pop landscape i suppose at the time of mm-hmm. this release so you're talking we had a load of the singles in 2017 he delayed the album and ended up changing the cover like literally the week a couple of weeks before was due to drop then in it was may 2018 i think it was eventually Mm -hmm. released who else was releasing music at this point like how did he stack up in terms of his peers well actually i when i was doing research for this i actually um delved into 
in my home away from home, the, the music charts. And I actually got a really good snapshot of the music music scene of 2017, more so than 2018. So in the week that Charlie Puth's attention entered the UK top 10, this is the top 10. If you did, like, My dream was always to be the chart host, so if you could indulge me this, it'll also answer your question. I'm indulging, I'm indulging. So in the same week, it was 24th of May, 2017, number 10, Harry Styles, sign of the times. This was, the, you know, he was, he was on the way up. He's establishing himself now in his solo career. He was going more Bowie with it, so kind of not really in direct competition with, with Charlie. But um, yeah, obviously there. Number nine, Charlie Puth, attention. Number eight, Jason Derulo, Swalla. Oh, totally forgot God. about that song. Um, not his best. Not, not Jason's best. And I actually Possibly think I, his worst, yes. <laughs> I don't know. Have you heard some of the more recent ones? When oh, he tried, some, of the, some of the more recent, like Culture Vulture, let's jump on a yeah. TikTok song. He should be in jail. I can't, how are you the man that gave me writing solo? That gave me Cheyenne? Don't, if I start talking about Cheyenne, we will never get off this podcast. So carry on. Jason Drulo, Swallow. Jason Interesting. Drulo. And I actually think Jason Derulo is probably Charlie's closest counterpoint in, mm. the, in, in, the, in the musical landscape in terms of that first album from Jason was a no-skip sensation, like perfectly crafted pop song. And now he's kind of moving into more gimmicky territory, which is kind of the same as Charlie, but we'll get to it. Number yeah. seven, Ed Sheeran, Shape of You. 2017, obviously the massive year for Ed Sheeran with the album Divide. You know, biggest male pop star of the year, hands down, I'd say, was Ed Sheeran. Um, okay, six was French Montana, Unforgettable. Clean Bandit Symphony was number five. Number four, There's Nothing Holding Me Back by Shawn Mendes. I think in a similar space to Charlie Puth. He, he came from Vine. Charlie came from YouTube. But I think Shawn always had more of a sex appeal than Charlie. So he kind of, again, I don't really feel they were necessarily... I- I never got that with Shawn Mendes. I never got, I got like teen appeal and I, it was more, the music was more specifically catering to teens in a way that seemed mm. less offensive to me than Charlie's initial stuff. And mm-hmm. then when he started doing stuff like there's nothing holding me back and kind of the more exciting things, I was like, oh, okay. It was less, uh, I don't know, jarring, I suppose, then. Charlie's transition, but it's interesting that you say that he kind of had more sex appeal. I never got, all I see is that music video of him at that song, something's happening and he's like skipping in a car park or skipping. No, that's the other one where they're getting beat up. He's skipping around the neighborhood (laughs) because something's happening clearly, hence the song and all the neighbors are coming out. But I never got that. That's interesting. I mean, I mean, sex appeal, I guess I mean more so for, for teenage girls, like he was a heartthrob in a way Charlie Puth was never really a heartthrob, you know, I think, I kind of feel, and, and like, I mean, Stitches is a banger, a banging song. You know, maybe Sean Mendes is to the guitar what Charlie is to the piano, maybe. Like, yeah. they just definitely feel, they feel different to me, sort of almost texturally. Okay, go put my finger on it. Number three then was Liam Payne. Strip that oh. down. <laughs> How do we let that go to number three? Whereas, uh, ironically, Charlie wrote his follow-up single, Bedroom Floor, which was a much better song. And then number one and two were both Bieber songs. Number two was a song I deleted from my brain, I'm the One by DJ Khaled featuring Justin Bieber. And number one was Despacito with Justin Bieber. So like in that top 10 in that week, eight of the songs had solo boy band members. And that's not even including Bruno Mars, who had a massive year, 2017, one album of the year, 2018. Sam Smith had their second album out in 2017. So it was really a, a time for the male solo singer, they were very much 
doing big business when it came to streaming sites. Um, and I think like when you look at the appeal of Bieber, of Harry, Harry and Liam, both from One Direction, Ed Sheeran, you can kind of see how Charlie is like fourth tier amongst them at the time. Which is interesting because he is so much more musically talented than a lot of them. Like this yes. is a man who has perfect pitch. He self-produced all, pretty much all of voice notes. Mm-hmm. Like you talk about him kind of, you know, he can't play the guitar, but he's able to just make these insane sounds out of nothing. Like we've seen him do the rounds now and all the late night, the late night talk shows. And we're going to be talking about him on TikTok and stuff and him creating mm-hmm. that most recent album. But we've seen him do it. Like him being able to identify a note from a reversing car. You know what I mean? It's just, it's really interesting. I suppose it just goes to show how much the cringiness, I suppose, was still kind of attached to him. Like it really took, Be- this was kind of Bieber's, if we take Bieber as an example, Justin Bieber, like this was kind of his real second wind. Like he really needed purpose as this kind of earth shattering rebrand. I'm cool. I'm do- I'm back. I'm doing pop music. This is what I'm talking about. Yada, yada, yada. And then he had all these other string of hits. Like it was just, this kind of seemed like something that didn't escape Charlie even until I suppose this most recent album where he made a real point of even, he said with this most recent album, Charlie, that he actually considers it his first album, which I find Mm. such a slight on voice notes (laughs) when it has like some of his best work. And to be honest, a lot of the songs on voice notes are better than what we've heard on Charlie from 2022. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, but in the same note, I can kind of see why this flopped. And it's because, unfortunately, we need more than just a good song to love a pop star. We need... We need the character. We need the framing of it. Like, let's take the latest Taylor Swift album, Midnight's. I don't believe that she wrote them with the writing prompt of 13 Sleepless Nights. She came up with a few songs. They're a bit professional. And she said, how am I going to frame this album? And it's, what what a brilliant sales pitch for it. You know, you, you think that you go, that's perfect. What I, I can listen to this. That's the framework for that. I listen to this album. You don't necessarily get that with Charlie Puth. You don't really know who he is, you know, we all want to fuck Harry Styles. We want to go for a pint with Ed Sheeran. We want to dance with Jason Derulo. We want to, you know, hope that Justin Bieber doesn't go out with our daughters. <laughs> Charlie Puth's personality is personalityless amongst those other men. And I think that's why this flops because people don't have a reason to root for him. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned Ed Sheeran there. I pulled this out uh, from the Atlantic at the time reviewing voice notes. Spencer Cornaber had called, he called Charlie a guilty pleasure and noted that Puth is not aiming for Ed Sheeran, every guy relatability. Do you agree or disagree? And do you think that was a help, that's a help or hindrance to him? I agree and it's, an, it's a hindrance. I think the, I think, oh, I think Charlie has not found his niche as a pop star. He has, I think, like, I think, I think this new TikTok thing he's doing is a really great uh, thing that distinguishes him. But I think up to that point, anyway, he hadn't found what made him unique as a pop star. What was his USP? You know, people didn't know he had perfect pitch at that point. People didn't know that he had made those songs. Like think of someone like Ava Max, who makes these perfect, like these brilliantly catchy, like to the point of like, insanity inducing catchy songs in a dollar baby forever oh jesus christ what a tune. <laughs> you know charlie wrote her song tattoo with her and so am i you know but we don't give her much credit because we kind of just see her as this sort of robot lady who sings good pop songs i think charlie fell victim to that as well as like here's a guy who has great pop songs but he probably doesn't write them himself and you know we don't want to have sex with him as much we want to have sex with other pop stars and we don't want to like we don't find him as relatable and he just never crafted himself out as that. And I still, he's still stuck in, I still feel he's stuck in that rut and that's to his detriment. And I feel he's probably at his best as a songwriter producer. Like, I think it's worth to mention that the track by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber stay last year, one of the biggest songs of the year written by Charlie Puth, at least partially. And I generally do not believe if he had released that song under his own name, it would be half the hit it was. Like, I think he needs these, these you know pop stars with these lives we want to emulate to like take his music to the top tier until he finds his own sort of niche were there any hints as to what we were going to get with charlie because we've talked about that a lot that was Mm -hmm. his third album 2022 release we basically saw him produce and make it essentially throughout the entire pandemic as he discovered tiktok and showed us that side of his personality, as you said, that he has perfect pitch, that he can identify any sound, that he's going to spend all day in his room just making these sounds because he, he that's the only thing he can do because there was a pandemic ongoing, everything else. Mm-hmm. He made this album, it came out. Were there any callbacks to voice notes that you recognised? And I suppose overall then, how do you think it compares to voice notes? Because we've already mentioned how how proud he is of this album and how much he kind of wanted this to be his first album like he like it's self-titled you know what I mean yeah 100% and that always means something for uh, for an artist yeah I I realized he had perfect pitch not from his TikTok stuff it was during the pandemic so maybe 2020 when he was still to the releasing stuff so so I guess he leaves his record label that he was with voice notes and he's back to his original record label and they feel he feels more nurtured with them he was more focused on making an album um, and then he was putting out singles in like 2020 that weren't really hitting. I don't know if you like many of them. I liked Cheating on You. Do you know I that like one? I like Cheating on You. And then yeah. the others I can't. The, uh, Hired on Yourself is a collab with, oh, that man who's not Machine Gun Kelly. What is his name? Oh my God. I've <laughs> seen him live. It. I've seen him live and I cannot think of his name. Someone is screaming at me. Uh, Black Bear. Not Black Bear. Black Bear. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black. Okay, yeah. It was Black Bear, um, yeah. Hard uh, on yourself. It's not particularly memorable, but I, again, I just remember because we were all on our phones, like eating content. I just remember mm. them promoting that song. I can't, I can't remember Girlfriend. He, he had that track with Lenin. 
Lennon Stella that summer feeling track which I thought was really good but that was kind of more her song than his but he had written it but it was also because it was released to go with the fucking Scoob movie the cartoon <laughs> cinema yeah, of course true. it was lost you know what I mean what 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 business did that song have being on a movie like that excuse me <laughs> very good song though I love Lennon um, Stella as well she's very good so anyway during, during my my lockdown morning yoga that I would do I used to watch YouTube videos and I watched a video of him being quizzed about friends by Courtney Cox and he he loves friends but like the things he could remember which was like oh there's the scene where you say this to Chandler and Chandler laughs and I hate sharp and you're like say what like he's like a savant in terms of what he can remember he can recall notes he can hear a note you know if people don't follow him on TikTok he'll hear a sound and he'll tell you what note it is and people message him like they'll fart and they'll say sorry Charlie you know what 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 note was my fart or what was the noise on my fridge door opening that sort of stuff so that's when I first realized he had perfect pitch and then I started to see the TikTok stuff and how he quote puts the songs together um and like that's a really clever clever way of getting you involved in the music and people that heard the songs before the album came out it is definitely a different sound though and it's hard to exactly put your finger on it like if voice notes is this like synthesized is like taking the best sounds from every genre of the last 40 years and synthesizing and making it go better. Like what would a Michael Jackson beat sound like with Britney Spears vocals? Like that's kind of what he's playing with in voice notes. In Charlie, it's kind of more from the ground up. Like what if I made a song using a a tin of beans? What would it sound like? And I kind of feel it's ultimately to the album's detriment. I have to say, I do like it more and more as time goes on, but he has nothing really to say. And I think when you focus the whole album rollout on this is the song with the can of beans rather than this is the song where my heart was broken, I think you end up connecting to it slightly less. I think the closest touch point of voice notes on it will be Loser. I feel that could sit on voice notes maybe as a bonus track. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard, I suppose, when you have an album like like Light Switch is obviously the most successful song on that album mm-hmm. because it was him sampling the sound of the Light Switch, whatever. And it's a it's a good novelty, but it also is a good pop song. But then yeah. you have something like to completely go off the scale on that. You have That's Hilarious, which is the second single from Charlie. And it's this gut-wrenching he talks like about the worst moment of his entire life and it was it's re- it was really emotional to write and he was really nervous about it being out in the world and that kind of came and went because it was which was hard because it's by and mm. large for me oh, is it my fave on the album I think I have other faves but I think it's again it's where he's strongest and I suppose that can be said for most artists when we're getting to know them and getting some insight into their life where especially when he's built up the last album and a half of, you know, I shag women and blah, I can't get rid of these women. Whereas this is a point where this woman really, really hurt him. Mm. And we still don't really understand the circumstances why, but like she really hurt him, then seemed to come back around and was like, can we get back together? And he was like, lol, no. It's just, it's so difficult. Like, does he need a PR relationship for the next album? Like, I don't, I don't, is that, like, is that it? Is that all he what else does he need to, I suppose, become the pop star that he that he is? Could be. Like he has, yeah, but he is it. But it's like it's does. There's some disconnect somewhere. I mean, wait, let's just focus. Uh, let me ask you. That's hilarious. But first, like, that's actually very true. 
I don't give that hilarious enough credit for the lyrical content because I feel it's undermined by its gimmick, which for me is a, a song called that's hilarious. And then that's hilarious. Ha ha ha. You know, that's the kind of anchor point for the song is this sort of like gimmick around what if I named a song called that's hilarious and there's a ha ha. And like the whole, like if that was Adele, she would frame it totally differently. And you're like, she was like, this is a song about having my heart broken. Well, I mean, that wouldn't stand out for Adele, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like <laughs> framing it via the story, then framing it via the gimmick. And like even left and right, which came out afterwards, the gimmick is, you know, when he says left, it's in your left ear. When he says right, it's in your right ear. And John Cook from BDS is in that. So I feel like this album is kind of built around the gimmicks of using weird sounds. And I kind of feel that probably doesn't make for the best pop star. I wonder to answer your question about the PR relationship, there was lots of speculation around attention that it was about Bella Thorne, who he had dated previously to that song. So maybe that would work. Or maybe he's just never going to be a Harry Styles. Maybe he's happy in that space. Maybe he's like a like a Tuvalu or a Leaky Lee or a Carly Ray, where he's always the the underrated or the under championed pop star who is happy to give songs that make him money to the bigger stars and make the songs that sound most like him. Like I think a direct comparison in that regard would be Nick Jonas, who I feel you also <laughs> have a big I love for like I do. Please, for the love of God, someone come on and talk about Nick Jonas' solo career with me or I'll do it myself. <laughs> I'm obsessed with that man and his really bizarrely good pop songs that nobody wants to talk about. <laughs> I know, about. they're so good. But in the same way, I don't feel they're as authentic as Charlie's are. He has the fucking PR relationship out, out the, out the mm. gills with Priyanka and like that's not really taking him that much further with it. So yeah, I think, I don't know if he actually has it in him to to be a Harry Styles, even with a PR relationship. And I think I think he's okay with that. I don't know if he is. No? I I agree with you in that I find it hard to see how he could ever, I think he's kind of peaked where he is. Like I just, I can't see him having another breakthrough like he did with the TikTok stuff and the pandemic. I think he benefited so much from that. But I think the album rollout for this was so long. I think mm. all the promo around it and the talk of this, like him, this kind of being a restart for him, I think he really thought this was going to be astronomical to the moon and no single caught fire quite like the way Light Switch did. Yeah. And it just because it was, and then it was so long after Light Switch and we were coming out of the pandemic, it was just, I feel like people's attention spans were already elsewhere, you know? And there's a part of me that just thinks, and look, I'm going to be honest, I'm basing this off nothing other than my own opinion but I just think but this is what podcasters do so it's okay truly yeah I just there's a part of me that thinks it kind of rots him there's a part of me that thinks right he is on par if not better than Bieber and there's and I'd say he's probably like why am I not there because like even I was this just came into my head there as we were talking where would he play if he announces a tour tomorrow I'm sure he was I know he was touring the states in the run-up to Charlie but if he was to tour tomorrow where would he play in Ireland I like, actually wanted to ask you this as well in terms of his capacity so I feel I, like he'd want to do a three arena, he'd want but I don't to do. think he'd sail. I, no, I think it would be the three three Olympia. But I don't I know like, if he'd want to do the three Olympia then. No, and it would be thing. a totally wrong venue for him. 
like the marquee in Cork would we go there like <laughs> just could that work girls I love Cork this is no Tino shit on live the marquee but honestly can you imagine Charlie Puth doing his little ding dings on the piano down under a tent I don't think so babe but then I suppose it's also when you talk about the three arena it's like he's not a dancer I don't doubt he could fill a show up with like really good visuals and mm. you know I don't doubt that he he'd obviously have dancers there to be doing the heavy lifting there but he is so behind a piano not a performer I suppose in the way that I suppose that's something that Justin Bieber has up on him like Justin Bieber can can dance in a way in a way that Charlie never will yeah Kane's making faces like, yeah. you know what I mean I'm not saying Bieber, he's, I'm not saying he's incredible Bieber's good, no Jason he, Derulo right in no terms of but, he, but I, he'd uh, he'd give some light d- do a choreo and he'd do a little mm. you know he'd do a bit of moving around the stage I just it's so hard to visualise Charlie as that as a live artist yeah, and also like, okay, I can hear attention in the three arena. It would fill yeah. the room. I could hear how long, I could hear boy, I could hear slow it down. I could hear somebody told me pretty much everything on voice notes by the ones we don't like. I could feel, feel, feel hear filling the three arena in terms of the sound. Like, smells like me, that's not going to fill the three arena. Like, I don't, like maybe Charlie Be Quiet might fill the three arena. I really like No More Drama, but that they kind of, I don't know, they're more subtle. And maybe when you, when you ask me about like, what does he need? I feel he needs actually someone to, to kind of edit the message of, of the album, Charlie, because it's like a bit of every genre on there and he's not enough to tie it all together in a way that like maybe Dua Lipa's album was like finesse. Maybe he needs an external producer just to like add that red thread all the way through that you go, you hear the song and you go, this is, this is Charlie era, Charlie Puth. Cause I don't really feel that's there. It's all kind of like, this is the song with the light switch. This is the song with the opening door. You know, it's kind of, it doesn't coalesce in the same way. And I doesn't really feel like it's stadium ready. Bring the cohesion. Uh, yeah. Back to voice notes. Uh, yes. What, in your opinion, best of our song? Worst song is changed by James Taylor. Um, hands down, there, yeah. maybe, maybe if that is for the, the victims of a school shooting, you know, listen to it and, and turn the volume down so they get some money. But, um, yeah, don't listen to it with the audio, it's not worth it. And the best <laughs> song, <laughs> and this for me is a true indication of a really good album is that it changes. I can't pick it straight away. Um, but I regularly alternate between those three in the back half. Somebody told me, boy slow it down I think at the moment it's somebody told me um another song about cheating because it does that thing that LF system are doing at the moment where it's like slow 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 verse and then picks up and then it's like bump 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 through the the course and slows it down again um so yeah I'd go for slow somebody told me but if we did this next year could be something different I think it's just always going to be boy for me I went through a big empty cups phase recently as well uh, but I think it's always boy is my fave and then bin change I hate coming out of slow down into change it just it messes yeah. me so much the minute I hear that guitar I'm like Boop, that's enough mm, that's <laughs> cool I love that girls such a Thank mood so killer of a song <laughs> before we let you go I could stay chatting to you here all, to you here all night um, but you will be back to talk about maybe some of the other things that you mentioned earlier but before I do let you go what is your elevator pitch for anyone who's <coughs> still on the fence as to why Voice Notes by Charlie Puth isn't a flop okay so Voice Notes by Charlie Puth if you are a fan of pop music is 
guaranteed enjoyable 40 minutes of your time. It should be, it should be as successful and as omnipresent as Ed Sheeran's Divide, which came out the year before, because it's just as good in terms of its hit ratio, maybe even better. Um, it, you know, like I said, it's not the perfect album. There's those duds, but all you need to do is make a playlist, delete those ones, and you've got all killer, no filler. He is, he, he has the, the chutzpah in terms of his musical chops, you know, perfect pitch, classically trained pianist, brilliant producer. He um, lacks in the subject matter, but that's okay. The songs are so good. They're going to get you through. And, you know, we deserve reparations for his shit songs at the start and don't be biased by them. You know, you've had to listen to them. You had to suffer through them. Now treat yourself, indulge in some self-care and listen to voice notes. This is your repayment. I love it. <laughs> Kian, if people are looking to find out more about you, listen to you more, where can people find you? What are you all about? Well, if you want to hear me talk and play music, I host a weekly radio show on RTE Pulse called Club 96, which is basically a gay bar in a radio show. So I do that every Wednesday. And if you want queer content from me, I host a podcast about RuPaul's Drag Race called Sissy That Pod, which is available wherever you get flop culture. And you do Top of the Flops on, uh, on your own radio yes. show as well. I do, yeah. I have a segment called Top of the Flops, which is just a chance to uh, play some underrated and underappreciated songs. Uh, so I do that every week. So I normally pick an artist uh, this week of, of recording is Kesha. We've done Rihanna. We've done them all. Uh, or sometimes I'll focus in on a year. Because, like, and I think it's actually quite pertinent to this podcast. There's something about flops that I think queer people, especially gay men, really love. Like, I think we love celebrating the the sort of overlooked era of an artist like I think of someone like Sophie Ellis Baxter that people are going to go to to fight for for like some late career music for her so when I was putting together like a queer themed radio show I was like I have to celebrate the flops like that's that's what we all want to hear has to be done that we love mm-hmm. the flop 100% and Kian we love you thank you, thank you very much. so much for joining <laughs> so what a declaration we do <laughs> love you um, <laughs> finally thank you so- somebody <laughs> Thank you so much for talking to me about one of my favourite albums. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you back. Yeah. I'll I'll be thinking. Maybe it'll be Nick Jonas. Who knows? Oh, please. (laughs) Please. (laughs) Massive thanks again to Kian for joining me. I'll leave all of his links below. Charlie Poot's voice notes is out now, wherever you listen to music. Kian will definitely be back. We love shooting the breeze about music. And it was great to cover another album this season. Finally, it is time for Top of the Flops. You're a flop. Top of the Flops this week is anyone who is being a hater about the new hosts of Big Brother UK, despite the fact that we haven't actually seen them host yet. It all just feels a little bit unfair to me, if you ask me. And it kind of feels like flop behaviour. So... For anyone who's unaware, the hosts of this Big Brother reboot have been announced. It's AJ Odudu and Will Best. I'm not hugely familiar with Will Best, if I'm going to be completely honest. AJ, I know from doing other things. And of course, if you're familiar, she actually co-hosted with Rylan on a season of Big Brother's Bit on the Side when it was over on Channel 5. I think it was Channel 5. Anyway, I'm 90% sure on that. But she ended up actually being let go from that. So it's kind of a nice full circle moment for her I have to say 
Um, but I'm just, I'm really, really frustrated by the response to the news then being cast, right? And look, this was all but confirmed. This leaked a couple of weeks ago. Uh, like, it was always going to be them. You know what I mean? I'm a bit frustrated by the people who were like tagging people like Rylan in the comments who, as I mentioned, he's previously hosted one Celebrity Big Brother back in the day. He's a Big Brother super fan. He's always said he'd have his hat in the ring. I really like him. I think he's a great broadcaster. I think he's a great host. But I do also think that this being the hard reboot that it is, it needed someone different. It couldn't be someone that was associated with the brand. And I think this is the right call. And I think it's really unfair to, you know, make assumptions when we haven't even seen them in action yet. I just think it's really unfair. And I think even if you remember back when Davina finished up with Big Brother and it moved over from Channel 4 to Channel 5 and Emma Willis took over and it was like, Emma will never step in the shoes. Emma will never match up to Davina. And look, I'm not comparing two women against each other, but Emma absolutely held her own. She was great. Like, she's as associated with Big Brother now as Davina. Whereas prior to that, you would have been like, it's only Davina's show, blah, 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 whatever. Like, let them go out there and show us what they've got. This is a new generation of Big Brother. I think it's important that we have new hosts. Look, depending on when this comes out, I think it's going to be October, September with the way the schedule is at the minute. You've I'm a Celeb All-Stars and then we're going into Love Island. God help me. God help us all. Um, so I think it'll be in around then. I'll happily eat my words if they're shite then, okay? I will. I I absolutely will. I really don't think they will be. I think I think it's a good dynamic to have two. I'll be interested to see the two of them together. I think that will make a big difference to see if that translates on screen. She's really good. She's proven herself before though. Like, to me, the show's in safe hands. Will, I don't know, whatever. Let the man prove himself. Let men do that for once, but... I'm not, I'm not anxious about this. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be good. And I think we just need to relax the cacks and stop tagging people in comments because it makes them feel really shit as well, probably. Or maybe they don't care. Maybe they're just like, I'm so jazzed to be hosting Big Brother, as they should be. Let's not take that away, away from them, okay? Good. Anyway, thank you so much for listening this week. Please rate the show five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you do, I would recommend a bop or a flap that I love to you. A big thank you to McWordstock, who left a five-star review last week. Mine I recommend a show to you called Jewelry Duty. It should be on Prime Video over here, but if not, you, you will find it on the World Wide Web. Just grab a VPN. It's a mockumentary-style series. It sets up a real person through a made-up trial. They're not on trial. They're on the jury. Jury Duty. Clues in the name. Everyone else is an actor except them it's absolutely hilarious it stars James Marsden he's playing himself in the role of a lifetime for him I will say I think you'll really enjoy it and regardless I really appreciate you listening and taking the time to leave a review you can also leave a five star review on Spotify this podcast has been edited as always by Adam Shanahan artwork by Brian Lambert until next week I was going to say I'll see you but you won't see me but you will hear me next week so until then bye bye Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.